This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. And you can pair up if you like and you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner. Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee! Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? Welcome to a correspondent special with a big message. You'll hear about that very soon. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And this one comes from Sam Roberts, who says, In a tick, son, Lee Dick, son, it's Michael Marden. I like that one. Uh, Sam Roberts has also added a copyright Sam Roberts to In a Tick, son, Lee Dick, son. So yeah. no, one tr- yeah. no one take that off. He will see what, you in court. What's, well, that's an interesting um, trademark situation, isn't it? Because he's you, I don't think that he could copyright it because it's got Lee Dixon's name in it. So surely, I yeah, do- I, I, don't, I don't think he'd be allowed to. Do you remember that story when um when the internet first kind of started? Someone went in and um logged the domain name Twenty First Century Fox. Yeah, I remember that story. Because yeah. he thought he was going to sell it to Twentieth Century Fox for like millions once the. Uh, did he not? In my they, in my no, telling, no, no, they, they, they just they just didn't call the company Twenty First Century Fox. <laughs> But you've got to admire the chutzpah of the guy. <laughs> you, love, you love the hustle, but it's yeah, yeah. abject failure. So, yeah, I suppose the point is, is Lee Dixon trademarked his own name, which I'm going to guess he hasn't. I can't imagine he's dealt with a lot of fake merch and Lee Dixon stuff. It's quite a regular name. There's going to be hundreds of Lee Dixons. <laughs> um, also, the one thing I know about filing copyrights is that everyone who has a copyright close to it gets notified. So if you try to copyright in a Dixon Lee Dixon... Is Lee Dixon getting notified about that? Well, I don't know, because he's not going to get any... If, he, yeah, if he's already know. copyrighted Lee Dixon. Do you know the other classic copyright thing that you, you'd always hear? Is to send it to yourself in the post. What? You, are you aware never, of that? Are you aware of that, this. Michael? Yeah, I, we were always told that uh, at film yeah. school, if you write a script 
post it to yourself and don't open it and then the stamp on the royal mail is allegedly some kind of like legal yeah. timeline thing i don't know whether that holds up in a court of law but, but who knows what because you've had the stamp so if you so you'd say if you're taking an idea to a company and you're worried they were just going to do you over or if you came up with a you know an invention send the description of it to yourself never open it and then it's like a, a time seal. it's like having a photo of it with that day's paper isn't it when you've got a, a hostage <laughs> i know someone who went to los angeles and had a, a meeting and discussed a few ideas and then about a week after that meeting got a letter in the post from a lawyer saying i've actually already had some of those ideas they are my ideas so to you you should think about it before you you progress any of those ideas you told me about oh yeah I actually bizarrely went to a meeting last week where I pitched an idea and the person said, I, I'm already working on something along those lines. They did it instantly, so I think I had to take it as, and I did, because I know they are. <laughs> but it was quite surreal. Anyway. Uh, anyway, Sam Roberts, let us know how you get on with the copyright. Roundabout <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <Right> way. <laughs> To bring this back to 90s football and copyright, did you ever have anything where you were given it? I don't know what the West Ham version would be, but I suppose because West Ham's a place. Like, man, did Michael, were you ever given some merch that was just red, white, and black and said Manchester on it or anything like that? You know, those things where they'd obviously. Yeah, I think I, I definitely got um, a scarf and maybe like a crap pencil case and pen set when I was in my early teens from like an auntie or a nan or someone. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I used to love is like going on holiday to like maybe Spain in the 90s and you would just see all the fake kits. But the, yeah. tra the tragedy was West Ham weren't quite big enough to have a fake kit made. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have loved think, to have seen it. Do you think now, Skull? Oh, now with Champions of Europe, mate. I imagine, I imagine the coast of Spain is wall to wall with fake West Ham kits. But as a representative of the club, would you have to conduct a citizen's arrest? <laughs> Do you know what's quite odd? I've, I follow a few international West Ham fan groups all around the world, and one of the the best is, is the Ghanaian Hammers. They are brilliant, and they've built a Mark Noble kind of education centre for themselves. Right. But, um, yeah, but in like it's the a local noble cause, right? It's a noble cause. <laughs> it's, um, but. The great thing is they post these pictures and they all, I would say 60% of them are wearing fake West Ham kits. And some of the kits don't look anything like a West Ham kit, but they've got like our shirt sponsor, like the sleeve sponsor will be the main sponsor and basic mistakes like that. Yeah. It's just, but it's incredible. Oh, that's amazing. Now, I've got, Obviously, not as not as strong as you, but I've got connections to Plymouth Argyle these days, Skull. <laughs> so I don't want to slag off the ha bite the hand that uh, gives me free away tickets. But um, they sell, and a lot of clubs do this now. And I think I would rather die than buy this product. Replicas of old shirts, classic Plymouth shirts, but without the sportswear company that's made it on it. So in the club shop, they'd sell a replica of the Admiral shirt from 1986 without the Admiral badge on it. So it's like yeah. a, it's like they're, they've an done official fakes. fake. Yeah, do, it's an official fake retro fake. This is happening more and more. I've seen they, West Ham do the same thing. They've got old nineties kits made by Feeler, but without the Feeler badge. Yes, yeah. which is where's the legality there? I don't understand. I imagine that I don't know who West Ham's kits manufacturer is. It's embarrassing, but. 
Puma make Plymouth kits. And so I imagine that you wouldn't be allowed to sell Admiral products in the Plymouth Argyle club shop. That's before we get to the 1996 kit that was made by Super League, a company <laughs> that I'm sure isn't still in the kit manufacturing business. Do they have like rotor lock and stuff on them, or is it just? The yeah, kit? they do oh. have the they do have the rotor lock on them, and the Sunday Independence. So they've got those, but they haven't got the. Because I suppose, I mean, I'm blaming. not blaming Puma at all because they've paid. <laughs> it's, it's how it works. Like I suppose that doesn't affect the Puma sales. I wonder if them. Made by Admiral. I don't know. There you go. Do write in. Did Super League, who made Plymouth shirts, go on to foot, like have the idea of the European Super League? Is that the they same? They did. Punch? Yeah. <laughs> so they're still involved with <laughs> in the game. They they nice. Sad. Sadly, they didn't post themselves the idea for the Super League. So someone just stole it. <laughs> oh, poor old Super League. Um, <laughs> But yeah, let, if you've got anything, if you could talk us through the legalities of that, send it in. We won't read it out because it'll be too boring, but we'd love to know. Is that fair, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Okay, deal. Send it in to this address. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Now, why are we here? It's a big question, isn't it, Chris? Huge one, but one we have to address. Do you ever think of it, think that, at 2am in the middle of the night? I will say I have thought about this moment. I have thought about this moment for a while. Okay, we have a huge announcement, as you can tell from the, um, the title of the podcast. I feel quite sad saying it, but this is the final series of Quickly Kevin, Will He Score?, the 90s football podcast to give it its full title which we never do do we i think we did that on the first episode we didn't even do that on the first episode but i suppose <laughs> so what we've decided um is uh due to time constraints and wow i was gonna say the 90s running out of stuff the 90s will never run out of stuff but i mean this is the thing i would say is the 90s lasted for 10 years we've done this podcast for almost six and a half years Exactly. This podcast has lasted almost as long as the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and if you consider we don't really talk about anything before 1992, then you really... <laughs> <laughs> and you get edgy if within the last six months of 1999. Exactly. So, I've, if, if for me, the 90s lasted for three weeks in the summer of Euro 96. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do one final series. And... We're then going to do... Now, uh, loads of you have already bought tickets to our gig at London Palladium. That is the final now yeah. ever Quickly Kevin event. That yeah, is, that is goodbye, it. Quickly Kevin. It will end on that night. Chris came up with that idea. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's not beat around the bush. It was within 24 hours of watching the Wham! documentary where they did a goodbye gig at Wembley Stadium. Um, this idea is fully inspired by the Wham! documentary and their final gig at Wembley. So we're doing one final thank you to everyone, a huge event. We're going to have favourite people we've had, favourite clips, favourite things, everything. We're also going to have an everything must go of stuff we've got together over the years there'll be loads of stuff being given out it's going to be the final jamboree of this amazing thing that we'll talk quite emotionally at the end of the series but 
has been one of the best things I've ever been involved in because it's just, I'll be honest with you, more than anything I've ever done. This is what I actually think about and talk about 90s football. <laughs> so it's been a joy. It's been an incredible thing to do it uh, for so long. Let's be honest, longer than any of us thought was possible. Um, <laughs> we're going to do one final series of six episodes, which is going to have uh, incredible guests and finish with a huge final Jamboree episode. And then on May the... 16th. May Thursday, 16th. May 16th. Actually, double-check that. Yeah, it is Thursday, May the 16th. I've got it in my diary. My daughter has forest school at 1.30pm that day. <laughs> That's in my diary. Then we will be doing our final goodbye show at London Palladium. Yeah, If you want to say goodbye to quickly, Kevin, if you've never come to a live show, if you want to meet for one final time, 2,000 middle-aged, mainly men, in football shirts that no longer really fit them. This is your final chance. Yeah, this is it. Get and your tickets for this if you want to go, because once they've gone, they've gone. It's Wham at Wembley Stadium. It's Wham at Wembley. They, they never got Wembley back did, together. They never got back together. And also, no. you you just you kind of you danced over a point that I think is quite important. Over the years, we've clocked up loads of nineties memorabilia. Michael especially. It's a fire sale that night at the London Bridge. <laughs> we are giving, we will be giving stuff away yeah, non that, that implies that we're selling it. There'll be no, no sale. Not, there's no sale. No money will exchange. Your ticket price will be enough. At some point, or points, plural, during the show, I will come out with an Alex Ferguson mask dressed as Santa Claus, and we will be <laughs> giving away all kinds of 90s paraphernalia. It has to go. So come along. Take a piece of QK folklore home with you. But more to the point for me, it's going to be one of the great nights. It's going to be a huge party, a huge celebration of Quickly Kevin. But it's not just about that night. It's not about May 16th. It is about the final series, which is coming up. We wanted to make this big announcement because we wanted to give you the opportunity to know what is going on and know that that will be the final ever Whamstock event before Chris goes on to have a solo career that... Let's be honest, doesn't have as many upbeat hits. But some people consider us good if they're fucking insane. If you've listened to this podcast, if you've loved it over the years, we would love the chance to formally say goodbye. But as Josh mentioned, this isn't... We've got the big final night at the London Palladium, but there's there's a series coming of greatest yeah. hits. We sat down, we made a list of our top guests that we'd like to have on that we've never had on over the years and what and a David list Batty it is. said no <laughs> David we will say I will say this I mean we might as well start giving away our secrets now we tried David Batty for a final time and, and, and forcefully it was a no I think the phrase was <laughs> no fucking chance not from David Batty not from David, just David, from David Batty's our, our go between who wouldn't even approach David Batty <laughs> Didn't you say he said not for a million pounds? Yeah, he said but he wouldn't do it for a million pounds. And I'd like to say we're going to test this metal, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've got loads of correspondence. And so, so this just obviously we start the series not a million correspondences behind. And also because it's weird just to do a small episode where we announce that we're quitting and then leave. It's like it's like one of those take that press that take that press conference where they announced that they were ending and then they had to set up a hotline. Do you think we should be setting up a hotline? I would say, before we get into this correspondence uh, section, if you've got an email 
that you've been desperate to send us over the last six and a half years. You haven't bothered to. This is your last chance. Hello at quicklykevin.com. And I will also say, if you've sent in an email over the years, but we've missed it, I mean, we get tens of thousands of emails. So things do slip through the net. If you if you sent something, we didn't read it out, but you think we really should read it, resend it because we'll be going yeah. through it. We want this to be the – we have to tie a ribbon around the 90s. We have to, we have to finish the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's Eve 1999 is fast approaching again. Yeah. Get the email in. <laughs> For the love of God, don't get in a plane over New Year's Eve. It might fall out of the sky. <laughs> Now, all right, let's get into the correspondence. The first thing we have to talk about is the thing that we we mentioned in our, our, our specials just before Christmas. The the rumour that that Alex Ferguson was delivering presents around the dugout at Old Trafford. Bullshit. Bullshit. You, so, have you, guys, have you changed your opinion on it whatsoever? What, that Alex Ferguson delivered presents around the dugout at yeah. Old Trafford at Christmas, even though there's no evidence of it? <laughs> I haven't changed my view of it, no. Yeah, Michael, you still, still feel the same way? Well, the way you're holding your phone smugly makes me slightly doubt myself. But, but <laughs> I'm holding firm. All right. I'm going to read out. I'm going to read out a few then. Okay. So Matt Hamilton's been on first. He says, I think Chris might be getting confused as to which United manager handed out presents. Because if you Google Louis Van Howe Christmas presents, you no. will see Louis Van Howe recently, like when, when he was in charge, would hand out Christmas presents around the Old Trafford dugout. Why is but he doing he that? Was famously okay, jovial, wasn't he? Famously jovial, okay. <laughs> well, can I just say on that? Can I just, as an aside, I know we do too many asides, but do we? Or is that what <laughs> people will miss most? One of my absolute bugbears in uh, football commentary or like, it's often in like the, uh, you know, when they do like the goal roundups yeah. would be a goalkeeper makes a mistake in December. And then the Tony Gubber or someone will go. And Ludic McCloscoe gave an early Christmas present to Coventry City <laughs> when he fumbled the ball into. <laughs> That's a classic. It's an absolute classic cliche. Yeah, early Christmas present. All right, so no, no, you still think that's that's a freak occurrence, like Louis Van Howe handing out Christmas presents? Well, Unrelated. I don't believe that either. Okay, all right. What well, you can Google it. There's pictures of this. Matthew, but also Matthew Christ has been on. Now, if you wanted proof that Sir Alex Ferguson was handing out Christmas presents around the old Trafford dugout, and you looking for someone to agree, like to, to provide the evidence, yeah. first person evidence that this happened, you would no doubt look for someone who was close to Sir Alex Ferguson. No, you'd look for Alex perhaps- Ferguson. You'd look for Alex Ferguson. <laughs> That's not going to happen either. I'll let me make that clear. So <laughs> not, not, not for a million pounds. Imagine we get him on the Zoom call. He's looking forward to reliving the decade that made him a, a, a legend. And we go, question one, <laughs> did you hand out Christmas presents to the fans? <laughs> Matthew Christmas. Question bit. two, uh, do you think, did you know Steve Bruce was writing books? <laughs> Matthew Christ provides this witness statement. He says, after listening to your end-of-year quiz, I checked with my Manchester United sources regarding the Alex Ferguson gift-giving debate, and I got this. Too vague, too vague. He says, I hope it clears things up. So what he sent me is a screenshot. Has he he named his sources? He has. A screenshot of a text exchange with a Mr. Brian McClare. Oh, here we go. Who, to be fair, spent a lot of time on the bench at Old Trafford. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so he would know. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is from Matthew to Brian. Do you have any recollection of Fergie handing out Christmas presents to fans around the dugouts at Old Trafford during the mid-90s? I'm asking for a friend. Brian replies, he did, and the OK emoji, you know, the finger OK emoji. Yeah. Matthew replies, yeah? Was it a regular thing? There's a huge debate about it on the Quickly Kevin podcast, and everyone was saying it didn't happen. I don't remember it at all. Brian McClare says, every Christmas I think, and then a Santa emoji. Oh. This case is closed. I would say as well, we're open to ideas. If if you if listeners want, if there's someone, there's a glaring omission from all the ev- yeah. episodes we've done or interviews we've done, is there someone you think we should be speaking to? Do, if it's really glaring, well. we've probably tried. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. don't go, have you yeah. tried Paul Gascoigne? Yeah. <laughs> have you thought about Roberto Baggio? Because... <laughs> There's certain names we've obviously tried again and again. I'm not going to name any names, Kevin Keegan, but obviously you can assume we have tried those people. (laughs) Sadly, some of them, they can't make it work and do the barbecuing awards. We can't name any names. (laughs) But we would love it. We would love it if they'd say yes. (laughs) Um. Well, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, email in if you've got any guests you think we should be covering. Yeah, yeah. We've got a little list. We've made it. We've made a couple of bookings we're quite pleased with. I always consider this yeah. period before a Quickly Kevin series is a little bit like the transfer window, and I always say we've done some great business so far. But, this- <laughs> but you can't judge it. The, can't the judge, whole, yeah. Who has a good or bad transfer window? You can't judge it until afterwards. Yeah, do you, you know what I mean? Exactly. At the end of the season. Sometimes. Sometimes it's the teams that don't do any business that do the best. Sometimes maybe we should just have put out six old episodes that people liked. <laughs> right, do you, want an, do you want an email from Tommy Chambers? Hi, lads, love the yeah. podcast. Reading a recent edition of 442, and there was an interview with Beverly Knight. Now, why would Beverly Knight have an interview in 442? I hear you ask. Well, is she a Wolves or West Brom fan? Who does she support? I, I, I don't actually know. Although she mentions that there's basically, I've been said, to, Tommy has sent me a section from this interview and they're all football related questions. Beverly Knight must be a big football fan. The question yeah. is, have you, have you ever sung alongside a footballer? She says, I've not yeah. sung with one. Steve Bull is always offering, but I'm like, no, you're all right, love. She must be a Wolves fan. From yeah, that. she must be a Wolves fan. However, she says, she did sing at Peter Crouch's wedding. And oh, wow. she did sing with Dion Dublin's brothers. And get this, at the wedding, oh. guess who's playing percussion? 
Oh, yes, please. Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin. Dion's a really good percussionist, she says. Yeah, he he's is, got his own musical instrument, the jube. I sang yeah. while he played, which was so cool. When Dion asked if I'd sing at the wedding, I said yes. And also at this wedding, David James came up and sang alongside me, but he didn't sing too well. What a wedding. I think invites to footballers' weddings are interesting because obviously we've all got married, right? in our lives and you it's a difficult decision who comes and who goes from like work situations so in a football dressing room yeah it must be incredible because obviously you don't really know what's the connection between dublin and crouch do you know what i mean that's a surprise and also imagine like you're putting out your wedding invites six months in advance you don't know who's going to still be at the club well, I will say, I, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast, but I did recently go to a footballer's wedding. I went to Colton Cole's wedding. Of and, course uh, you did. And Colton Cole put a little, little bit of a West Ham table together, and I was with Joe Cole, which I would describe as the jackpot of footballer's yeah. wedding, if you're a West Ham fan. I think he's missed a trick by not putting him on the Cole family table as a little <laughs> joke. But... So... Do we think Beverly Knight is a friend of Abby Clancy or Peter Crouch? It sounds like from this response that Dion Dublin invited her to sing. So maybe they booked Dion on the tube first and Dion was like, I need a singer. I'll go to Beverly Knight. She's a football fan. No, no, no. I think Beverly Knight's at the wedding. Yeah, you think? And it was just impromptu. Or, or look, Beverly Knight, she, it was a secret wedding gift from the groom. Peter got me smuggled into the grounds in the back of a car Abby's face was a picture when she saw me. Oh, wow. There's more to this story. Well, there we go. Fair play to Peter Crouch there. He smuggled Beverly Knight into the... <laughs> like Jose Mourinho when he got smuggled into the dressing room in the laundry basket. <laughs> the laundry basket. <laughs> All right. Got another email here. Now, you might remember in recent episodes we've been talking about the worst sponsors in the 90s. Obviously, this is a subject that's come up again and again down the years. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. But now, we may have had the worst sponsor ever. I'm going to send you a picture. Yeah. This is an email from Kevchenko, he calls himself. Big fan of the show. I live in hope you'll be covering Hull City's great escape of the 90s, narrowly avoiding exiting the Football League two years running, ongoing dramas with Mark Haley as boss, chairman and tennis guru, tennis... Uh, David Lloyd locking us out of the ground. The infamous game at York when our manager Terry Dolan stood with a sack Dolan sticker on his bald head for a good 20 minutes. Anyway, please see Exhibit A for the worst sponsor of the 90s. Sorry, the manager had a sticker <laughs> on his bald head. Sack on his, did he not know it was on that? <laughs> Or like was it he, like a, that was bigger than I like did. Well, put that on my head, see what you make of that. <laughs> you know when you slap someone on the shoulder, all right, mate, and just stuck a, stick a sticker on their back. That was huge in the yeah. 90s. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? Anyway, Hull, I, I, I imagine fans of 90s football will know this, but Hull's, what are some of Hull's shirts in the 90s? Obviously, a tiger pattern were horrendous. This one is a real treat. You've got that tiger pattern. And the shirt, the shirt sponsor, I've sent it to you now, is Pepe's. Any guess what Pepe's is? No. It's not like, uh, seeing as you're saying it's bad, it's not like, because peepees, it's not a, a pissing thing, is it? Pee-pee, oh, it could be peepees. I've read that as peppies. Anyone who went to Hull in the Nights will probably know, it is the local nightclub. It's described oh, as an wow. absolute meat market of a nightclub. Wow. And the worst shirt of the 90s, generic animal print. There you go. I can't recall ever seeing 
or hearing of anyone else getting no. spotted by a night. And is it still going? Peppies. Should we have a quick Google? There's an Italian restaurant in Hull called Peppies. But uh no, the whole Daily Mail has a series of pictures from Pepe's nightclub in the nineties, and yes, it does look like it. Very much looks like oh a meat wow! Oh my word, it looks like a big night. There you go, Pepe. Well, again, if you've got a worse shirt sponsor than so that, so what do we think Pepe's are paying for that? A few grand, isn't it? And then I like, I feel like at that, like if they're on the verge of dropping out the football league in the nineties, I imagine. Five grand, I would guess. Now, this is something I'm sure we've covered before, but I don't think we've ever really gone into the depth of it. Matt Hamilton has sent us an email, very succinct one. And he simply says, check out Birmingham City's departures in 1998. And there's two two departures which stick out. On the 2nd of July, 1998, Steve Bruce goes to Sheffield United for £200,000. A few months later, on the 23rd of October... Steve Barnes is released by Birmingham City on a free to Barnet. Oh. And when you look at the career of Steve, so, I mean, I'm sure someone has pointed out to us before that there was a Steve Barnes and a Steve Bruce yeah, together at the same club. Played. But yeah. how much do you know about Steve Barnes? Do you, for example, know that, yes, he left Birmingham City and went to Barnet on a free, but that he was five foot four and a winger? Does that make him shorter than Alan Wright? That, uh, I don't know. Does it? Does he demand his own bath because of, I don't know. That He's is exactly incredible. Steve Barnes is exactly the same height as Alan Wright. Well, there you go. So Steve Bruce has played with Steve Barnes. Yeah, Steve Barnes. Stephen Leslie Barnes made three appearances for Birmingham City between 1995 and 1998. Wow. I I just can't believe you'd name someone the name of a football you've already played with. And he's writing it's, these books in 99, right? Which is a year after him and Steve Barnes depart the club. I just don't know whether Bruce has even thought that through. I can't believe it's a reference to one of his favourite reserves at his previous club. You can just name a character in a book, right? Because there's there's just people that have got your name. Like, that happens to people. Like, it's just... Yeah. I was watching a BBC4 documentary about... They had a historian on it, and his he was 60, and his name was Harry Potter. And you were just like, the poor fucking bastard. But you can't do anything because obviously without naming people absurd names, they're always going to be... I think actually there's a rule that um, when you name someone, it has to be, there has to be more than one of them in the UK so that it isn't specifically that person, if you know what I mean. I think they search a name. I've I've worked on something and I can't remember what it was where there was something along those lines where um, the name of someone had to exist in more than one person. Otherwise, that one person in the UK could sue you. So John Barnes would be fucked. He couldn't sue someone. But maybe if you're a public figure, it makes a difference. Do do you remember there was an episode of Phoenix Knights of PTK with the fire marshal? And at the end of the episode, it would Uh, have a disclaimer because the yeah, fire yeah, marshal yeah. had the same name in Phoenix Knights as a real fire marshal in Bolt. Yeah. Yes. I think that's probably. <laughs> I think. What I'm chances? guessing. I'm guessing that was something that came up after they'd filmed it and it was all too late, right? That yeah, they, it must be, yeah. That they realised that was going to be an issue. <laughs> um, but you never know. You, do, uh, you never get that in a scripted show, though, do you? Where someone's like, um, 
oh yeah, my name's Tom Cruise, but I'm 60, so it's slightly annoying, you know. <laughs> I, it's just a quirk of a character that they share a name with someone famous. Have we have we done characters in fiction who have the name of nineties footballers? If not, yeah, that would be that good. feels like there will be some. Do send them in. I remember I'm, I used to go to Preston North End Games in the nineties, and they had a player called Michael Jackson. And I remember yes, doing I remember, the, remember, I remember yeah. doing the maths and thinking, well, Michael Jackson was around when you named yeah. that kid Michael Jackson. It's there's a million names to pick from if your surname but is Jackson. He probably Jackson. wasn't that around, was he? He was probably one of the Jackson Five. <laughs> and, just blending in. And the one with the least kind of um identifiable name as in a way. He was I, mean, I know he's the most famous one of the Jackson Five, but like he wasn't a solo artist by the time Michael Jackson the footballer was born, was he? Michael Jackson was born in nineteen seventy-three. So okay, there's probably that's a, I don't know, actually. Would, well, this is, here we go. This is vintage quickly, Kevin. When were the Jackson 5 around? Yeah. <laughs> what was the overlap? He was a, he released four solo studio albums, 72, 72, 73, and 75. So he was a, he was a young child star at that point. Oh, yeah. Michael yeah, Jackson yeah. was, Michael Jackson was 15 when Michael Jackson was born. Yeah, Jackson 5 had released 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 albums by the time the footballer Michael Jackson was born. There is no yeah. excuse. There, okay, there is no excuse for calling your kid Michael Jackson in no. 1973. Was there any other footballers in the 90s who had names that were just simply unacceptable, like too close to someone that had far yeah. more? Footballers with names that are too close to famous people or characters in fiction that have got the names of 90s footballers, please. All right. Now, a few episodes ago, we were talking about Graham Kelly turning up in a Sunday league game, and oh, uh, we've we got a few emails around. Kelly. We've got a few emails around again, building out detail on Graham Kelly. Graham Kelly undertaking fitness challenges, and and this one I just I pulled out from the few we've received. Matthew Cox. Hi guys, love the pod. Just caught up on the Les Ferdinand episode. Enjoyed the chat at the start about competitive Graham Kelly in his Sunday league career. I can vouch for a competitive Graham Kelly as I found myself crossing the line for the 1998 Great North Run at the same time after a sprint finish for a time of two hours. I was 19. He was 53. We had a good chat. Shook hands at the line. Keep up the good work. So, oh never, Graham Kelly did not have an athlete's figure, but there he is at 53. Running the Great yeah. North Run in two hours. Fair play to him. I suppose he's surrounded by people in sport. Do you know, is he still with us, Graham Kelly? He is, yeah. The problem for Graham Kelly is he just looked like the idea of a kind of pen-pushing suit, didn't he? Yeah. And sounded like it. Let's the glasses. The gla- like the Dennis the glasses. Taylor glasses outside of the, the a snooker set. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to know his prescription, Graham Kelly, because remember that they were like those those kind of glasses you used to get in the 80s and 90s, like teachers used to wear, where it just blows the eyes up. So your eyes yeah. are enormous. Yeah, like Graham Taylor, weren't they? Do you, yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. Why, do you think that's why he appointed him? <laughs> a, kindred, a kindred poor eyesight spirit. We've got the same glasses and the same first name. This is meant to be. <laughs> There's that book about Elton John and Graham Taylor, but I'd much rather read the book about Graham Kelly and Graham Taylor and their, how they uh, <laughs> how they shared a uh, glasses prescription. Little trivia that at the FA, if they both took off their glasses at the same time, it got problematic when they didn't know which ones to put back on. <laughs> 
in a meet in like a stressed meeting, they'd both take their glasses off and put them on the table, and then I'd love if you know what Graham Kelly's prescription was. I would love to know. I met Still I it's like minus ten. We don't want it now though, because it'll be worse now. But we want it. Yeah, well, he could have had like, laser eye. He could have had laser eye. He could have had laser eye by now. Uh, we've actually got a do I remember this right about so this on that, very then. podcast and I wonder okay. I wonder if that's uh, a perfect finish to an episode where we're tying up the podcast do I remember this right 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 James Reynoldson says I've been walking around the house this week chanting beef 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 alert mainly due to having yeah. a beer bought a joint of beef for Christmas. My wife now joins in the chant, but doesn't believe the context of my nonsensical random shouting. A quick Google of beef, beef, beef alert quickly, Kevin, brings nothing of any irrelevance, and I'm starting to doubt myself. Please tell me this wasn't a niche podcast-based fever dream, and it was indeed a misheard chant. Any hard evidence you can put me towards would be even greater. I'm <laughs> sorry to say, true. James, that has never come up on this podcast. <laughs> No, it has, hasn't it? It has. And I would actually but say... I can't remember what the uh, charm was. And I, 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 I've, I've dropped it as an Easter egg. because It was a West Ham charm, because West Ham fans chant East uh, East, East London. And right. <laughs> someone people, thought was people thought it was someone chanting beef, beef, beef alert. So there is a West Ham link to it. And because I do the half-time stuff at West Ham, I have dropped it in as an Easter egg. Like, very subtle. I'll say stuff like... Uh, all right, quick beef alert here. We've got a half-time quiz. Here's our right. I, 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 I <laughs> thought you were doing the, the full three beefs, which is the difficult. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think how else I've done it. Like, all right, beef, beef, beef alert. Here comes your second question on the half-time quiz. <laughs> do you have to do um, a sound check on your mic? Yeah. Where you get like one, oh, two, yeah, yeah. one, it's two. It's a proper, it's a proper you've got, you've got to go beef, beef, beef alert. <laughs> like, that's got to be the perfect sound check. <laughs> beef. Beef, bit more treble, please. Beef, beef, beef. Bit more treble. Beef, that's perfect. Alert, alert, alert. When's the next home game after this comes out? I'll do it. I'll do it as an Easter egg for the Quickly Kevin fans. I love the way. I love the way roadies check mics. Check it one. Like two, really one, one. articulate. Alert, alert. It's the best, best bit of being a roadie, isn't it? Oh, of the many wormholes I've been going down recently, uh, I've been obviously, there's a Live Aid musical coming out and I've got back into Live Aid a little bit. And sometimes I'll just go on and watch some bits of Live Aid. And you know, like in between each set, they get like comedians of the time, like Griff Rhys-Jones and Mel, uh, yeah, Mel Smith. Smith. And they're doing like, like a little bit of banter in between the sets. Fucking but while they're doing their fucking nightmare. While they're doing their banter... They're doing the sound check at the same time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so, like, you've got Smith and Jones talking to the crowd, and while a roadie with a mullet right next to them is going, one, two, one, two. <laughs> <laughs> the 80s. I know. But then what can you do? Yeah. Well, i tell you what you can do. You could just have 10 minutes downtime. <laughs> yeah. Don't need... Constant, constant stuff. People will get bored if they have to wait ten minutes yeah. for Queen. I don't want to be the person. I can't believe I'm I'm in 2024 telling people in the 80s this, but you don't need constant content. You can just relax. Just to bring it back nicely to the live show, 
just to yeah. bring back nicely to the live show on that beef alert thing in the storage locker somewhere and i will bring them to the live show we've probably got about three or four hundred beef alert pin badges oh. that, I will, that i will give away to uh, audience members and as an extra easter egg if you stand outside the london palladium at about 6 p.m that day with a a glass to the wall to listen in you'll be able to hear us sound checking beef alert <laughs> <laughs> um thank you for listening if you want to get in touch for the final series with any of those things this is how get in touch with the show Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Let's end on just confirmation one one more time. Quickly Kevin will end on the Thursday, the 16th of May, 2024 at the London Palladium with one final big show. This is it after six and a half years. But before that, we've got a series to produce. And of course. All we can tell you about it is we won't be interviewing David Batty. <laughs> so for the love of God, don't expect that. But it's been a genuine joy and it brings us great joy to do the final one. It's going to be, um, it's going to tie up the 90s in a bow so it never needs talking about again. <laughs> and a reminder, if you've got any hanging on to that bit of correspondence, that email you've never sent, this is your chance to send it in. Hello at quicklykevin.com. And get your tickets now, Thursday the 16th of May. we put a link in the episode description one final time. We'll be saying Robbie Slater, see you later. But let's say goodbye today. And this goodbye comes courtesy of Andrew Hewitt, who says, see you, fella, Casey Keller. Go, let's! Hit, let's! Hit, let's! Over the top!